0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا ما يهدي الله فلا مُدِلَّ له وما يُدْلِيهُ فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد وأن محمداً أبده ورسوله أما بعد قال الله سبحانه في كتاب الكريم بعد عوذ بالله من شيطان الرجيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا تقوا الله حَقَّت قَاتَهُ وَلَا تَمُوتُنَّ إِلَّا وَأَنْتُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اللَّهَ وَقُولُوا قَوْلًا سَدِيدًا يُصْلِحْ لَكُمْ أَعْمَالَكُمْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ فَقَدْ فَازَ فَوْزًا عَظِيمًا الله إن الله ان I will talk about uh, a quick Life story of Sa'ad ibn Allah. And inshallah try to link his life To today's reality At least one of the things that we are going through In our lives nowadays When we talk about Sa'ad ibn Allah, He was one of the Ansar And uh, he entered into fold of Islam When he was about 30 or 31 years old And he passed away, he was martyred at the age of 36 or 37 years. So altogether he was in Islam for about six years. But that six years were enough to be counted as one of the greatest sahaba of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. When he became a Muslim, the same day he was able to bring in the whole clan of his into fold of Islam by the time son was set except one. His name was Usayram, and he, passed, he was martyred at the time of Uhad. And this all happened before Rasulullah migrated to Medina. And his acceptance to Islam had a great role for Rasulullah to migrate from Mecca to Medina to find a safe haven where the deen of Allah ta'ala was implemented. So I will just quickly go over some very important things that happened in the life of Sa'ad ibn Muadh and his actions, what he did during those times. So he entered into the fold of Islam very close to when Rasulullah Wasallam migrated to Medina, because that was itself, was one of, the, one of the, the turning points for the Muslims that made Medina a place where Muslims were able to migrate, to live according to the the command of Allah Azza wa Jal. And we know the Badr, al Badr happened barely less than two years after Rasulullah S.A.W. migrated to Medina. And in that battle, before the battle, because the Sahaba moved out towards the Badr, and it was not in the Medina. And the Ba'ad that was given to Rasulullah S.A.W. by the Ansar was about protecting, supporting Rasulullah ﷺ in Medina. So now they were outside the Medina. Rasulullah started asking the Sahaba about their view about the battle of Badr. Abu Bakr got up, and he showed his affirmation, or complete submission to the commands of Allah subhanahu wa Taala for fighting in the Badr. Umar got up, he did the same thing. Al-Miqdar got up, did the same thing. Rasulullah is still asking for more advice. And then, then Sa'ad ibn Mu'ad an, realized that Rasulullah is asking from the Ansar, because all three who got up were from the Muhajrim. So now, Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh, he got up, and he asked Rasulullah that, I feel you want us, the Ansar, to speak. Rasulullah wasallam replied, oh yes, Sa'ad. So Sa'ad said, oh Rasulullah, we believe in you, and we bear witness to what you have bestowed to us, and we declare in unequivocal terms that what you have, but is the truth. We give you our firm pledge of obedience and sacrifice. We will obey you most willingly in whatever you command us, and by Allah, who has sent you with the proof. If you were to ask us to plunge into the sea, we will do that most readily, and not a man of us will stay behind. We do not grudge the idea of encounter with the enemy, we are experienced in war, and we are trustworthy in combat. We hope that Allah will show you through our, our hands, those of valor, bravery, which will please your eyes. Kindly lead us to the battlefield in the name of Allah. Rasulullah was impressed with the fidelity and the spirit of the sacrifice that Sa'ad ibn Mu'ad presented. That gave Rasulullah comfort that what he was going for on Sa'ad is along with him. The reason I am bringing up just some of the bullet points of the life of Sa'ad, so we understand the last story I will talk about about Sa'ad, that why is it so important? What made Sa'ad what Sa'ad was? Sa'ad ibn Mu'ad is the same Sahabi in the presence of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam asked for his judgment about the Banu Qurayda, And that story of Banu Qurayda is a it's a separate story of its own. Some other time we will go in details of that. But the treachery of the Banu Qurayda resulted in the execution of 700 men of, the, men of them, as one of the reports talk about. But that's a separate story, and it needs to be discussed some other time with details, because that's a treachery, the, that was the punishment of the treachery done. But when Saad ibn Mu'adh was asked by Rasulullah to make a judgment for that in his own presence, that's a huge thing of its own. The Prophet of Allah is there and he's asking a Sahabi to pass a judgment. And now, look at the judgment that he passed and what did Rasulullah وسلم said? لَقَدْ حَكَمْتَ بِحُكْمِ malik What you have passed the judgment of, that is the same judgment of the king, which is Allah Subh'anaHu You have come to the conclusion that Allah Subh'anaHu Ta'ala wanted as well. And when the very same Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh radiallahu when he passed away, when he passed away, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Ahtazza laha arshur rahman. That the arsh, the throne of Ar-Rahman, the merciful Allah Azza wa was shaken by the death of Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh when he was martyred. He was martyred. The wound that he got was in Ahzab but he passed away after ibn Bani Khuraida. It's the same Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh that we are talking about today. When his janazah was carried, Sahaba said, we have never carried a corpse or the, the dead body lighter upon us to carry than his. And Rasulullah responded to them, nothing prevents him from being light except that so-and-so angel who had never descended until that day, was also carrying with you. So the Malayga actually were trying to succeed each other to carry the body of Sa'ad ibn Mu'ad. This is the stature that we are talking about when we talk about Sa'ad ibn Muadh. This is the same Sa'ad ibn Muadh that before Ghazwat al-Badr happened, he went for Umrah. So there is no really a big fight has happened between Quraysh and the Muslims in Medina. He went for Umrah. And now this Umrah is a very interesting story. And this is a story I want really all of us, insha'Allah, to pay attention to. He went for Umrah and he had a friend over there, Umilya bin Khalaf. He is one of the enemies of Allah, Rasulullah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But he was a friend from the days of the Jahiliyah. So whenever Umayyah would go to Medina, he would stay with Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh, as the hadith mentioned about that. And whenever Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh would go to Mecca, he would stay with Umayyah ibn Khalaf. Now, when he went to Mecca in that situation where Rasulullah wasallam have migrated from Mecca to Medina, he has found a safe haven. He has found a place where the law of Allah Azza was implemented. Now here, the situation changed. So now, Sa'ad ibn Mu'al told umayyah ibn Khalaf "Then let me know what is a good time to go and perform the tawaf of the Kaaba." So, as we know, in the Arabian Peninsula, the midday time is very really hot because of the sun is right at the peak. So that, that is the time mostly people stay inside. So they said, okay, let's go about the midday. But when, we went, they, when he went for the Umrah, Abu Jahl met them and said, "O oh, Abu Safwan, he was talking about Umayya bin Khalaf. Oh Abu Safwan, who is this man accompanying you? He said, he is Sa'ad. Abu Jahl addressed Sa'ad, saying, I see you wandering about safely in Mecca in spite of the fact that you have given shelter to the people who have changed their religion, talking about Rasulullah ﷺ and the Muslims, and have claimed that you will help them and support them by Allah, if you were not in the company of Abu Sufyan, you would not be able to go your family safely. Now Sa'ab ibn Mu'adh, as a firm believer, look, it's not long he became a believer, became a Muslim. He became a Muslim barely a couple of years ago because this is still prior to Badr we're talking about. And he became Muslim right before Rasulullah migrated to Medina, which means around the first Hijrah. For year of the Hijrah. So, Abu Jahl addressed, as he said about all this, Tufar raised his voice saying, by Allah, if you should stop me from doing this, performing this tawaf, I would certainly prevent you from something which is more valuable for you. That is your passage through Medina. I will block all your caravans. I will boycott all the things that pass through from there. We will not let you go from there. It's not like he's going to say to all the Ahlul Medina, oh, if the Medina people come and try to to sell something, don't buy individually. No, he will block it. As one of the leaders, make sure nothing passes by Medina. This is the way that Sa'ad ibn Mu'ad took care of the issue even of him doing the tawaf. And he's raising the voice of Abu Jahl in front of him. Sa'ad raised the voice in front of him. Now upon that, Abu Sufwan, Umayyah Umayya bin Khalaf. He starts saying, O oh Sa'ad, do not raise your voice before Abu Hakam. This Abu Hakam is Abu Jahl, the father of the ignorance. Umar bin Hisham, this is what he talked about. He said, oh, don't raise your voice before Abu Hakam, the chief of the people of the valley of the Mecca. Sa'ad said, O oh Umayyah, stop that. By Allah, I have heard Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi predicting the Muslims will kill you. Now he's talking to his own friend. The one who's trying to stop him to raise the voice in front of Abu Jahl, he is instead telling him, I heard Rasulullah said that you will be killed. Now Umayyah, this is the, the, this is the ironic, uh, the, 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 the thing about these kuffar. They knew that Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was the messenger of Allah. He always said the truth. This is why Umayyah got scared now. When he heard that Rasulullah SAW said he will be killed. So Umayyah was very scared. He said, that, uh, he said, oh, Um Sufwan. He went back to home and said to Um Sufwan, his wife, do you know what Saad told me? She said, what did he say? He replied, he claims that Muhammad has informed them that they will kill me. I asked him in Mecca and he replied, I don't know. Then Umayyah added by Allah, I will never go out of Mecca. Subhanallah. This is the kind of the belief they had even in the jahiliyyah, in the kufr, they knew Rasulullah was the Prophet of Allah. He does not lie. But, because of this dunya that they were attached to, they did not want to accept him as a Prophet. The power they had, they did not want to accept him as a Prophet. Now, why did I bring up the story of Sa'ad ibn Muadh like this? The reason I brought up the story of Sa'ad ibn Muadh is this is something that we hear, I've been here, hearing for the past 30 years. Anything happens to the Muslims. Whether it happened in the Kashmir, it's happening in Palestine, whether the, 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 in the France, or when they start trying to insult Rasulullah or whether it's Denmark, whether it's Sweden, whatever those countries are, they start insulting or hurting the Muslims. Right away, there's something gets up among the Muslims that we should boycott their products. And that happens among the individuals. Yes. And I am not saying that there is something wrong with that. Yes, we should boycott. There's nothing wrong with that. And on an individual basis, he's continuously doing that. But what we see is, that's not doing much. That's the reality. Look what Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh was doing. He was not saying, I'll go to Medina, I'll tell the people, do not buy your products anymore. On an individual basis. No, we will cut off the line. And that's what the Muslims should be thinking of. If that's what they're going to do, you want to do boycott? Okay, do it on the state level. Just a few months ago, we know what happened in the Suez Canal, when it was blocked. How much of the percent of the world economy was clogged? Things were not able to move. This is the kind of a strategic places the ummah has today, but it is in the hands of the people who do not have any sincerity to, the, to Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la and, the, uh, and the Muslimin. And this is why it's important that when we raise the voice of boycott, make sure that we are asking these corrupt rulers either come back to Islam and do the things Allah subhanahu ta'ala wants from you or leave these positions and let the ones who want to rule by Allah's command do their job. We cannot continue to boycott on individual levels and even try to do the things continuously on individual levels while the task has to be done on a collective manner by the ummah. It's no different, brothers, than this. Therefore, Salatul Jum'ah, we have to gather, otherwise we cannot fulfill this For Same way, whatever work needs to be done collectively, has to be done collectively. Otherwise, we will not be able to achieve what Allah wants from us. But unfortunately, we are continuously doing those who are supposed to be done collectively, we are doing on an individual basis. And hence, we are not able to achieve what is supposed to be achieved by those actions. It is no different than this, what we are doing. I'll give you a simple example so we understand. If there is a thousand ton heavy rock in, in a, a stone in front of us that needs to be moved, and that probably requires the force from, let's say, a thousand people collectively to move that stone or rock. But what we do is, one person goes, try to move, go home. Then another person goes, try to move and go home. And probably a billion people try to do that, but nothing happens. Because this job job has to be done collectively. And that's the way we have to think about... All these oppressions are happening, whether it is happening in Palestine, whether it's happening in Kashmir, whether it's happening in Syria, whether it's happening in Yemen or, or China or, or Burma, or then we can go on and on and on. We really have to understand how the Sahaba understood the message of Islam and how they implemented it. And that's what we see in the life of Sa'ad ibn Muadh. Not like today that we hear the lip service all the time and no action is there. As a matter of fact, we find that, for example, Turkey talks, does the lip service all the time. But when it comes to action, action only happens against the Muslims. And we have many, many uh, news about this issue of how Turkey has been doing all sorts of economic trades behind the door with Israel, with the Zionist state. And all sorts of military exercises are going on. When UAE declares they want to have peace with that, right away or the government raises the voice, how can you do that? This is treachery. On the other hand, we find that Turkey has their own embassy in in occupied, uh, uh, occupied Palestine. And also they have the Zionist state's embassy in Ankara. This is the kind of relationship they themselves have and continuously having and fooling the ummah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuha لما تقولون ما لا تفعلون. Kabhura عند الله ان تقولوا ما لا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, why do you, all oh, you who believe, why do you say that you don't do? In front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is the most hatred action. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I'll, I'll close with that. Reminds the Muslimin, when we talk about whether it's Palestine or Kashmir or Yemen and on and on, the list goes on. When Allah says when this tan sure kum fiddeen alaykum un nasr. When they ask you for help in the deen, this is an obligation on you to help them. This is an obligation on us to help. Don't take it lightly, brothers. This is an obligation Allah Azza wa Jal has placed on us. Thank you for listening to this podcast.